When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com, uh, a site on SB Nation. Um, we cover the Lakers. There's not a lot to cover in regards to the Lakers right now. It is, uh, I, I believe we're something like 34, 35 days away from the regular season opener, even fewer days until the preseason starts. But until then, Jacob... Doing these podcasts is very hard. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we talked all day about how we were going to get a, a podcast out of the... <laughs> the only news today was about DeMarcus Cousins and the disabled player exception, which I'm pretty sure we have talked about that like three times yeah. on the podcast already. So We devoted a whole episode to it already. Yeah, so um, we couldn't really talk about that. So I guess we'll just. Too bad it's not a video podcast and we could just sim 2K for <laughs> everyone like you did. Yeah, I did do that. I, I expected maybe all of five people to read that story. I tweeted yesterday, like, I expect exactly zero people to read this just because it was so dumb. And I'm, I'm a little bummed because. The, if, for those that didn't read the story already, I ran three different what-if scenarios uh, for the Lakers on 2K20, which, by the way, no disrespect to the hardworking people at 2K, that game is the same game as it was last season. That's why or, I didn't buy it yet. <laughs> and, like, last year, I thought it was a good game. It felt like usually when I buy, you know, the 2Ks, the FIFA, it's just like I'm really just paying the money for the updated rosters but last year it did feel like like a pretty different game and and you know felt good giving them my money this year i got it for free and i'm i'm complaining so uh i feel a little bad about it not really um but my point is the third simulation i ran is what if the lakers replaced carmelo or sorry demarcus cousins with carmelo anthony and surprisingly, they still make the finals. Like, they sweeped the Philadelphia 76ers in the final 4 nothing. Um, and Melo played 55 games. I didn't get one of those, like, my GM uh, notifications that Melo was complaining about his role. So that was good. But anyway, that third slot was supposed to be... What would happen if everybody on the roster was Alex Caruso? <laughs> I just I didn't know how to do that. Um, so you guys got Mellow instead, which I the feel game, like the game the game could not handle fifteen <laughs> Alex Caruso's on one roster. I I was able to get um, how many LeBrons are in that game? I feel like it's five. So I was able to get a starting five of LeBrons. Like uh, I think there was like three Cleveland LeBrons. One Miami LeBron and then the Lakers LeBron, which I'm taking that team over most teams in the NBA. Five LeBron James. If I, I've heard the question posed a couple times, if there's one player that you just clone them for a whole starting five, which player would you pick? 
and it's usually either like LeBron or Magic. Yeah, and that's about. It. And I, th- I, I mean, this might be sacrilege on a Lakers pod, but I would take LeBron pretty easily. Sam, it's um, he's good, man. I don't know. I don't know if people knew that, but LeBron James is a really good basketball player. Um, but the good news is, although we don't have a lot to talk about, I am hooked on Tai T right now. Just super energetic. <laughs> and I didn't have Tai T like genuinely until maybe three months ago. And it's like drinking candy. If you have not had Tai T yet, it is very good. And Jacob, I found out you haven't done something yet that I feel like you should have done by now. And that's watch The Princess Bride. What is going on? Okay, so this has been something, not specifically The Princess Bride, but I grew I grew up in a very, very small town in Indiana, and it was one of those things where I did not realize all the things I hadn't done until I got to college, and my roommates, my third year there, where I basically moved in with two strangers and nice they were flabbergasted the main the big thing was always the movies I hadn't watched and it literally got to a point where there was like a list that we made that was taped up near it was in the living room near the TV and we were just constantly adding to the list and marking it off whenever I would watch it so there is Trust me, that the Princess Bride is not the only. I've never seen like the Godfather movies. Oh, neither have I. I feel like that's acceptable though, because those movies are so long. Like they're critically acclaimed, and like on every top 100 movies list of all time, it's always in like the top 10. I just don't have. I don't have the energy for it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I hadn't watched the Matrix movies until like, mm, like 2014 or something like that, somewhere around yeah. there. Like, there, there was just a long list of, of, like, that was always a big thing, is all the movies I've never watched. So, trust me, I'm sure there were... I, I'm sure The Princess's, Princess Bride is a great movie. I'm, I'll probably watch it at some point, but, no. I, I saw yesterday where everybody was talking about it being remade and how it's a perfect movie, and I was like, hmm, I haven't really... I've heard of the movie, but I haven't heard it described as a perfect movie and before, so I guess I might need to watch that. Yeah, I I love that movie. It's probably in my top five favorite movies. It's just like, there's something in it for everybody, I think. And um, it's so funny hearing you say that you're like a kid from a small town in Indiana. Me, like, I think people hear that, myself included, and just think like you just roam around on a tractor in a field and is, is am i am i on the nose far there off. <laughs> we, we would have each week during the school year there would be one day where it was bring your tractor to school day and that's a very much a real thing and kids would drive their tractors Jesus. from their farm to to school and just park them in the parking lot. It's well, like their car that day. So yeah. it's every stereotype you could imagine. That's so funny. Well, at least you have an excuse not to watch those movies. I feel like there are quite a few like critically acclaimed movies I haven't seen. I haven't seen Goodwill Hunting, which is like people That's swear a great by. Movie. Yeah. yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of the Shawshank Redemption. I've Another seen the terrific movie. 
I've seen bits and pieces of the Green Mile. Like, all the movies that are on AMC all of the time, <laughs> I just, I have never just sat down and watched. But, yeah, people uh, people swear, swear by them. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll get around to checking out. You know what else I haven't checked out? And we'll talk about basketball event eventually, I swear. Um, I have not watched Breaking Bad. And oh. I know. And it's funny because, like, I tell people right now I'm really into that show Barry on HBO with Bill Hader. Mm-hmm. It is very, very good. And every time I tell people, like, I talk to people about watching Barry, they always compare it to Breaking Bad. And I'm just like, all right, well, I think I have to watch this show. There's really no excuse because it's all on Netflix as well. Oh, is it really? Yeah, I actually just rewatched uh, rewatched the series a couple weeks ago. Mm. It's it's a ter- yeah, it's one of my favorites, and you also have all the reason to because the uh, Breaking Bad movies coming out on Netflix. Mm, soon. Yeah, I did so, see that. So yeah, Breaking Bad it, TV shows. I I mean those were the same. I didn't watch those when I was younger, but those have been easier to like binge and catch up on and whatnot. I think the only like the two ones I haven't seen that are like everybody's talked about is The Sopranos and mm. The Wire. Yeah. I haven't watched either of those, but the yeah, I mean most of my time in college was spent catching up on Movies and TV show. I didn't watch Game of Thrones until like season five or six, maybe. I still uh, haven't watched Game of Thrones. Not a single episode. Not a minute. How? <laughs> I don't know. It was just one of those cultural phenomenon that like flew over my head. I never played Pokemon Go. I. How? I, I Are don't you know. a functioning <laughs> person in this like in this world? I. I mean, my brothers played it. And same thing with Fortnite. I played Fortnite once on my console, and I said, "Nope, ain't for me." More of an Overwatch guy myself. So, um, I uh, right down the road is a fire station that I would make trips to daily to for the like month that Pokemon Go was a big thing. Oh, for a Pokestop, I have yeah. I have a Pokestop point two miles away from my home. Yeah, like this one is, I mean, it might not even be, it might be closer to that. And then it, my office at work was directly beside a Pokestop, so I would just plug my phone in on the charger, have it have uh, Pokemon Go up all the time, and do it from there. I That was, like, I thought literally everybody did that at the oh, same time. No, like literally everyone. I worked at, like, an outdoor mall during that time which i don't know if is unheard of in indiana unless all of <laughs> yeah. your all of your malls are outdoors just like on a haystack and you guys uh yeah, come by over here and we'll show you two cups of shampoo for 35 cents i don't know you would be amazed at the idea are, do, are there corn mazes in california yeah there are some corn mazes just not like everywhere like during Halloween oh, time, here. Um, <laughs> yeah, during Halloween time, like pumpkin patches will have the spooky corn mazes or whatever. But um, yeah, God, that's so funny. I thought, like, honestly, I thought you, I thought you lived in like, I don't want to say a suburban part of Indiana, but like, oh no, <laughs> I've never lived in the only suburban parts of Indiana there are are around Indianapolis, and everywhere else is just. 
the middle of nowhere. Bloomington, where IU is, is uh, a little more suburban, and that's where I lived for five years. But, I mean, literally everything else is, like, you, you may not have, have you seen Field of Dreams, where, like, they build a baseball field basically in a cornfield? Yeah. That's basically what Indiana is. <laughs> like, And they're playing uh, a baseball game there, like, next season, aren't they? Oh, yeah. And they, uh, but, like, when I was in high school, our baseball field literally bumped up against a cornfield. <laughs> like, our our track where you threw discus and shot, if you threw it too far, it would skid into a cornfield. Oh, my God. Like, every, every stereotype you can imagine, <laughs> like, fits. Like, I, I mean, it's exactly what you think Indiana is. So, no, I, I mean, there is not a suburban part of Indiana to live in. I'm sorry. I know we're supposed to be talking about basketball, but this is incredible content. I'm posted there, up in... There is, <laughs> there is nothing worth talking about for the Lakers right now. Yeah. I'm posted up in Chino Hills, basically best friends with Lonzo Ball. He lives... Boy. If I had a guess, he lives... Oof. Five, four or five miles away from me. The Ball Estate, the famed Ball Estate. I mean, he doesn't live there anymore because he's in New Orleans and he just left the other day. So, but You're his that family. close to the big baller brand chandelier. Oh yeah, and my um, my dad actually did work there while it was like under construction, um, and I got I got to like view it from the outside or whatever, and it is. As gaudy as as it looks in videos, it is huge. I think there's like four houses on the premises. Um, yeah, it's big. Anyway, basketball, Lakers. Uh, the Lakers, as we mentioned before, were granted the 1.75 million dollar disabled player exception uh, because Demarcus Cousins probably isn't going to play a game this season because uh, he tore his ACL basically just playing basketball. It was a non-contact injury. For anybody who's watched the video, which is probably, I think, the most disheartening thing about it is that, like, it you know, it sucks to say, it sucks to verbalize, but it was probably going to happen at some point in the season just because, I don't know, it just didn't look like he was ready for, for yeah, basketball. The, the way the injury happened, like, it was, in, it was inevitable. Like, it was always, it, it wasn't, there was no contact, there was no, like, cut. There was nothing. He was just running. He jumped, and his leg gave out. So, I mean, that that's what? He tore his Achilles, his quad, and his ACL all in the same leg within, yeah. like, a year. Like, at this point, I would be surprised if he was, like, I think he'll probably still get another contract or two just by teams giving him a chance, but I'd be surprised if he's, like, an actual contributor on like a good team yeah. in the future, yeah, which I, sucks because yeah. Boogie's awesome. Mm-hmm. If I had a guess, and I hope this isn't the case, because obviously you want him to get back on his feet and healthy as possible as soon as possible. Um, but I think the the key with him is probably just taking it easy. Not that he has much of a choice for the next year, but he's one of those guys I can see getting a deal. Like post All Star break in the 2020-2021 season, like he's that type of guy to me. That if a team has an open roster spot, 
you're, you hear of guys midseason trying to make an NBA comeback, whether it's like, I mean, just a few months ago, it was Amari Stoudemire and Monte Ellis. Um, and I, I think he'll probably be one of those guys. And I think, you know, somebody is going to give him an opportunity, whether it's in, um, you know, the NBA, the CBA, the big three, which apparently is a completely reputable league uh, to, <laughs> to where, like, players get contracts from. How mad do you think Carmelo Anthony and J.R. Smith are, like, just sitting at home watching Joe Johnson get tryouts and, and eventually an NBA contract? So Jr. definitely, he wasn't cut in time to get a big three offer. Carmelo almost certainly got, like, somebody mentioned the big three to him, and I'm sure he scoffed at it. Yeah. And uh, we saw what it did for Joe Johnson. I, I mean... Which is I crazy. Hit, is it... Yeah. Am, I, am I insane for thinking that, like, that's not going to translate? Oh, I don't think it will at all. But, I mean... The Pistons really need wings. I don't know why you take Joe Johnson over literally J.R. Smith, but I I foresee, like, next summer Boogie putting up, like, I could see him putting up, like, 40 points. Maybe not <laughs> next summer. Maybe the summer after. Yeah. But, like, if he plays in the big three, like, he's going to put up, like, absurd numbers and, like, just absolute dominate everyone, which would be fun. I might tune into the big three for that. I'm not tuning in for <laughs> Ron Artest and did you see Glenn Davis like early in the year like got so mad he took like his jersey and shorts off and threw them all <laughs> into the stands. That's so funny. I feel like I feel like the same could be said of Mello though. I feel like Mello would light people up for mm-hmm. like 40 points a game in in the big three i mean maybe maybe i'm discrediting the big three a little much uh like a little too much but i mean i've tried to watch games and it just i don't know i i can't see how anybody like how an nba gm can look at somebody that plays in the league and say <laughs> okay that's our missing piece my the funniest thing about it was those like weird nba accounts that always post photoshops somebody posted a photoshop with Derek Rose, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and Joe Johnson saying the Detroit Pistons are a sleeper contender for next season. Oh, yeah. And it was like, because I, I looked at it and thought, like, damn, this team would be really good in, like, 2011 or something. But, like, for 2019-20, like, there's no way. Like, that, what a bizarre team that they have. Derek Rose, Joe Johnson, Drummond, Blake Griffin. What a weird, weird team. Well, the Lakers couldn't have signed Joe Johnson even if they wanted to, using that exception, because uh, it's only worth $1.75 million, which limits them um, to players with less than five years of experience, of which there are not many available, at least not very good. Like, n- unless you want Marquise Chris on the roster, um, which, oh, my God. I don't, I don't know why I was watching... I think it was towards the end of the year when I was hoping every team below the Lakers won. But I was watching a Cavaliers game. Mar- oh, my. Uh, Marquise Chris was was so bad. Like, I am not surprised at all that he doesn't have an NBA contract. He was, he was ridiculous. And the sad thing about it is that I think the Cavaliers ended up winning that game in overtime. And he had, like, a career-high 27 points and 11 rebounds and was still, like, a negative 14 
in the <laughs> in the box score. It's just like Jesus, dude. Um, so yeah, not a ton of options. Uh, but the the one area, the the one good thing though, and it's a it's a misunderstanding I had when I was looking over the provisions of the disabled player exception, is my understanding was they could keep that exception if they signed a player using that exception first and then waived Boogie, and that's not the case. They just needed to be granted the exception first before waiving Boogie. Like, So if they would have waived Boogie while that exception was pending, they wouldn't have been granted it. Now that they've been granted it, they can waive Boogie and, and still have that extra cash to sign another player, which I think, I mean... All things considered, is probably their next move and, and the smartest move for them to to go. The yeah, he'll be the first one gone. As soon as the Grizzlies please just buy out on Iguodala, <laughs> this is our weekly plead to the Grizzlies to do something. Um, but yeah, and it on it honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened sooner. Yeah. Uh, be, once this investigation for. That the I think the league the Lakers everybody are doing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes out with the Lakers cutting bait and then letting him use their facilities and whatnot to rehab. Yeah. Just basically as a public as a PR move basically to to cut him. But yeah, I would I would be very surprised if he's on the roster really even by the start of training camp. Yeah, and you know it's funny that you mentioned Iggy because I feel like the assumption among Lakers fans, and maybe it's right, but I I I think when you look at the market for Iggy, teams like Denver and Houston that have that hole at the three um, still have their full <laughs> mid level exception, and like even post trade deadline buyout market. Um, they can outbid the Lakers when it comes to Iguodala, even with that exception, um, which is, I mean, the only way you're going to even make a competitive bid, bid after the All-Star break for Iggy, assuming it goes that long. I don't think it will. Um, because when you, when you look at a, a veteran's minimum contract for a 10-year player post-February, you're looking at roughly $900,000. The Lakers can offer Iguodala $1.75 million for the rest of the season in February, which is good. But even with like teams that like Denver and Houston uh, that do have their mid-level exception can offer him more than that $1.75 million. So I, I think the assumption is that like once Iggy gets waived, his ties to Palenka are going to lead him to the Lakers, and I hope that's true. But there are teams like in the Western Conference that are probably more ready-made contenders than the Lakers that can offer him a pretty big role. Um, and that worries me a little bit. Yeah, those would, those two and the Clippers would be the teams I would worry about. Um, I think the Clippers are probably in fourth in that discussion. Yeah. he's He's played in Denver. I don't know if he... I don't know if that will affect his decision at all. The fact that Denver is like a one of the West's best teams probably affects his decision more. They, it'd be interesting to see how. I mean, they certainly wouldn't turn down Iguodala. It would just be interesting to see 
how he would fit there because they do I mean they just have so many young players and so many like guards and wings that I mean somebody would have to between Gary Harris, Torrey Craig, Will Barton, Malik Beasley, and Michael Porter Jr. Um, I mean, I'd take Iggy over pretty much all those guys, but right. it's one of those guys is going to have playing time taken away from him. Um, so I don't know. That'd be interesting to see how he would fit on there. Houston, I mean, it'd be obvious he would be um, a starter on that team. That'd be a really interesting team. I'd assume they'd close with like Russ, Harden, Iggy, Tucker, and Capella, or maybe Gordon instead of Capella. Right. That'd be a really interesting small ball team. Like Iggy's going to be perfect for playing small ball, and P.J. Tucker's basically the perfect small ball five, so I would I would be pretty worried if Houston got Iguodala. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, and I was thinking about this like to myself. Is I, I I wonder if like the Houston fatigue with the Warriors and like the fact that they've been the losers in that series for what is it three out of the last four years? Um, A lot. Yeah. They've been owned by the, <laughs> by the Warriors. I think um, I wonder if that fatigue plus the whole like people being over Russell Westbrook averaging a triple double. I wonder if at this point. The Rockets are kind of underrated. Like, I wonder if I don't have appropriate fear of the Rockets going into the season. I mean, they have two of what, two of probably the best, definitely the best 15 players, probably two of the top 10 players in the league. Yeah. Like, that alone is worrisome. Uh, Even if they don't, like, on one hand, these, they're going to have to fit together in some regard, but like, on the other hand, they're also just really good, and it's going to work to a certain degree regardless. Um, Eric Gordon, I mean, he finally got paid like he deserved, but he's been right. underrated for a while. Um, and, I mean, Capella's good. I don't know why they were so set on trying to trade him. Like, there, there's literally one team that Capella can't play against, and it's one of the greatest dynasties in NBA history. And I feel like at times, like, him being played off the floor by the Warriors kind of hurt his, like, reputation a bit. I mean, really, that whole just, yeah, like you said, them just repeatedly losing to the Warriors kind of hurt their reputation. And, like, any other time period, this Rockets team has at least one title and maybe a multiple-time title-winning team. Yeah, I don't. I we talked about this, but the Western Conference worries me in regards to the Lakers. There's so many good teams at the top of the West, Jacob. I just if they don't if they don't get it together like soon, like if they don't click right away, I mean they got to figure something out. And the the bad part is like if the pieces don't mesh, the hope is that the players are just as irate and waive their de facto no trade clause and like the Lakers can work something out with the roster but if not if like the players on the roster decide they want to stay in Los Angeles for the remainder of the season the Lakers are are kind of screwed and I don't know I don't know I don't like I don't like talking about this <laughs> I would say the argument 
for you to be a little more uh, optimistic is that on pretty much most nights, the Lakers are going to have the two best players on the floor. Yeah. Um, I mean, Houston has two of the top 10, 15 guys in the league. The Lakers have two of the top five guys in the league. And they they mesh so perfectly. Like, there's a lot of questions about how Harden and Westbrook fit together. There yeah. is no question about how <laughs> LeBron and AD fit together. That's so funny. Well, I guess we'll see. And uh, when we get back, we will talk more Lakers, probably. <laughs> well, I don't know if you saw earlier today, Jacob, but NBA TV was playing Game 7 of the 2010 NBA Finals. And for those that have been following along since then, it was a good night to be a Lakers fan in 2010. Very good night. I remember I was at home. My mom made spaghetti. And I was sitting on a lazy boy, just chowing down my spaghetti and, like, probably screaming with my mouth open now that I think about it. Um... God, how old was I? I'm 22 now. So I was 13. 13. Yeah. It's a good time. It was a good time. Um, you were much calmer than I was. <laughs> I was not chowing down on food. I was chowing down on my fingernails. <laughs> um, I was at my cousin's uh, house, also a Laker fan, Watching Game 7, just terrified. Like, that whole series probably took five years off my life. Like, that was <laughs> so stressful. Uh, I remember losing my mind when Derek Fisher made the, the layup. I want to say it was Game 3. Game 3 or Game 4, where Derek Fisher, like, took over in the fourth quarter. Um, I remember... Like being just so excited, game six when we were just blowing them out, and then game seven was just nerves from start to finish. Like, at no, I think the only time I started to feel like, oh my god, we're gonna win this is when Ron Artest hit that three, and then it was immediately followed by like the Celtics just throwing in everything. <laughs> like, Rashid Wallace made a three, and Rondo made a three. And I want to say Ray Allen made a three, and oh, I, and then like Vujicic coming in after like not playing at all, like in the entire game, um, coming in to shoot free throws and then just burying both of them, like I was so terrified when he stepped up to the line. I'm like, please, oh please, like not like this. Like I still had the memory of him getting blown by by Ray Allen from. 2008 in the game that they had the huge comeback. Yeah. And I'm just like, please, just please, like, just make one of these so that, like, they can't win the game at least. Um, God. And then I ran around the house screaming and yelling <laughs> whenever the final buzzer went off. Like, I won't even lie. You know what's funny is two years prior to that, and, like, I'm not even going to act like the peak of my Lakers fandom was in 2010 because I think during their championship run at that time I was a Lakers fan the same way like a lot of people in Los Angeles are Lakers fans just like they're a good team 
we're going to root for them when when the when the playoffs are on and or if they're doing well. That's how I felt about the Rams like this year. Don't care for football much, but I mean, if there's an LA team in the playoffs, I'm going to root for them. Um, but 2010 is is when my my fandom like really like started boiling up. But in 2008, I remember I was at my uncle's house and the Lakers just got the the Celtics wiped the floor with them. Just a really mm-hmm. terrible series. And I remember my uncles just like yelling profanity and just like being genuinely really upset. And I was just like, dude, what the hell? Like this is a game. Like you're gonna live. And now I get like that for regular <laughs> season games against the Phoenix Suns. And so yeah, it was it was a whirlwind for me. Um, but that 2010, that game seven, people like to point to the fact that like, what a, what was Kobe's stat line like six of twenty four? Six of A really terrible game from Kobe Bryant. But like he still, it's so funny when when people talk about that game because I mean he got a double double, and he ended the game with like what twenty plus points. It was uh, 23 points and 15 rebounds. Like, come on. Game 7 of the NBA Finals. <laughs> like, and it was, like, big rebounds. Like, he was, like, late in the game, like, he was down there crashing the boards, like, on the defensive end and, like, getting huge rebounds. Him and Powell had 33 rebounds that That's game. That's crazy. I, it's, and I don't want – I do not want LeBron Stans to attack me. I think, man – the the series LeBron had against the Warriors the year they won it was unlike anything I've ever seen before. Except that game. Like, really, anytime the Lakers needed to win a crucial game, I, I don't know, man. I think Kobe was just, he was a different breed. Like, when the game was on the line, you could just count on him to do everything he could to win the game. For better or for worse, that guy just, like, he cared about the end result of the game. He wasn't scared to take those those big shots. He didn't care about making the right play. He just cared about like winning the basketball game by any means necessary. And because Kobe's kind of a narcissist, like the best way to win kind the game. Of. Yeah. <laughs> the the best way to win the game was by having the ball in his hands. And like honestly, the biggest game, like when I think of the game that I was like, all right, I'm in. Like, this is this is lifelong in blood now. Was some random March 8th, 2013 game against the Toronto Raptors. Lakers needed big buckets in the fourth quarter. And I'm talking big buckets. They were down by, I think, nine. And it was, uh, I think it was five or something like that. And Kobe Bryant, being Kobe Bryant, just went out of his mind, called for the ball from the baseline, and took, like, crazy turnaround three-point jumpers and made them, like, three clutch three-pointers in a row. And I, will, I, and I am no fan of Billy Mack by any means. But one of my favorite calls he's ever done is that three to tie um, call that he did that game. That game 
And it was like, I don't want to say it was a, a meaningless game because they were in the, like the thick of the playoff race at the time. And Kobe mm-hmm. was just playing out of his mind. But that game is probably my my favorite game I've watched as a Lakers fan since like I really, really started. Um the that game I specifically remember watching uh it, I was in college, um me and two of my roommates had it on, on the TV and one of them was just like a Pacers fan, one of them was a Kobe fan. Yeah. But like in for like the that I don't it was like those final two minutes, like after the first three he made was just absurd. Like uh, he tried to pump fake, defender didn't bite, and he just has to hoist up. I mean, really, it was just a terrible shot. Right. And he buries it. But yeah, that second shot, like straight out of an inbound. That was nuts. Like catch fire before like anybody realizes, and like it didn't even move the net. And then. Yeah, like, I bl- I think the Lakers fouled, and, like, the clock had stopped. They call a timeout, and that whole timeout were like, dude, if he hits this, like, <laughs> if, if, if this goes in, like, we're going to – like, like as, as we started this spot, I'm in Indiana, so at this point it's, like, one in the morning. Right. <laughs> and he hits that three, and we just lost it. Like, we're yelling, screaming, <laughs> like, losing our minds. And yeah, that that season as a whole, it's probably my favorite Kobe season, right? Because like, there was a point like midway through the year where Kobe was like, "All right, like enough of this like stupidity, just hop on, like <laughs> I'm carrying you guys to the uh, to the playoffs." And like, his last like twelve games, eleven or twelve games, he was playing like. 44, 45 minutes a night, like, just refusing to come out of the game. Like, that stretch of games there is, like, to me, like, the epitome of Kobe. Like, right. He was not letting this team fail. Like, come hell or high water, if this team was going to fail, it was going to be, like, in spite of him. Like, they were – he was going to do everything he could to drag this team to the playoffs. Like, he had the game – in Portland, where Dame was like red hot in the first quarter, just and like cooking the, him, man. Yeah, that was and, nuts. And the Lakers never win in Portland, and then Kobe was like, "All right," and he dropped like <laughs> forty-five points and like eight rebounds. He had like some crazy stat line. He stuffed Will Barton at the rim, like on a fast break. Like, man, like that season. For as much as I hate how the season played out. Um, there's just so many memories I have from that. The Hornets game where, like, him and Jody Meeks, like, led this huge comeback, <laughs> like, second-half comeback. Right. Like, and it was, like, Dwight was actually, do, like, running screen and rolls for, like, the only time all season. And, like, then the Hornets forgot which side of the court they were defending. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Kobe got a free run to the basket, like... I love so many, there's so many games from that season that like are like flashball moments for me where I'm like I know exactly where I was watching that game at I know like who I was with like I remember everything about it like that season was so much fun despite it being just a train wreck of a season 
And it's so funny when I think about that season. The that's from that season. Unless I like, unless it was absolutely a, like a, a wedding or you know, God forbid, a wake I had to be at. I have not missed the Lakers game since that season because, for I I, th- I think I may have told this story on this podcast. I know I've, I know I did it. Um, I told this story on I Love Basketball uh, with Sasha and Sabrina. Which shout out to Sasha for uh, doing big things and and you know moving on to the athletic as a podcast producer pretty soon. That's super dope, Sasha. If you're listening to this, all love, congratulations. Um, but the re the whole reason I started just like watching the Lakers religiously is because I grew up watching nothing but soccer. I thought every other sport was kind of dumb. Um, I thought baseball was especially dumb. My views have changed since. Um, but soccer, I, I lived, breathed soccer. And my favorite basketball player, even before I really started watching the NBA, was Steve Nash because he was such a big soccer fan. I mean, he dribbled the bat or he juggled the basketball with his feet at half court. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And um, so when the Lakers traded for him, I was ecstatic. Like my, my favorite basketball player is going to be playing for what was my favorite team, even though like, again, wasn't super invested in them. And uh, as everyone knows, Steve Nash had a really <laughs> successful Lakers career, uh, and that's that story has a has a happy ending. Won multiple titles. Everybody rode off into the <laughs> sunset together, and like, yeah, I. So like, my f- fandom for my teams is just all very weird. Like, my parents uh, are not really sports fans. My dad, again stereotypical he's a, a racing fan oh and, god Jacob. and so <laughs> when i was really young i i'd watch nascar and the indy 500 and stuff i don't i haven't watched it in many years but uh as i started to realize that there were other sports basically um his two brothers his older brothers grew up uh in the 80s and one of them became a celtics fan and one of them became a lakers fan oh and fortunately, I picked the right side <laughs> and became a Lakers fan, mainly through him. It was partially that, and also when I was when I was younger in basketball, I've always been, uh, we'll generously say, on the bigger side. <laughs> and for a couple years in like elementary school basketball, my nickname was Baby Shaq. And I'm like, who's this Shaq guy? Like I need to I need to figure out about him. So kind of pairing those two together, I became a Lakers fan right around the time that they played the Pacers in the finals. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, this I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be that guy rooting against the Indiana Pacers. Like, let's do this. And yeah, I remember being at, like, a summer camp, and, like, my camp counselor was, like, a... He was a Pacer fan, and he had, like, snuck this little handheld TV that had this giant antenna, 
Like this was, yeah, this was back in 2000. So like you can imagine like this monstrosity of a thing for like this <laughs> three inch TV screen, and we were like sitting in like outside the cabin, like it again, like it's Indiana. So at like midnight, watching, like trying to squint and watch the Lakers Pacers uh, finals on like this three inch TV. So um, yeah, once I. Once I started watching Shaq and Kobe around that time, like, I was hooked. And, like I said, fortunately I chose the right side and not the terrible, ugly, green and white side. Well, it's good that you've experienced joy as a Lakers fan. I hope <laughs> to get there one day. And that's, like, as as much as somebody can look to me and call me a noob, which, like, fine, that's a fair assessment, like... When they won in 2010, again, I was I was excited. I was hyped. Everybody in my family was hyped. But as much as anybody in L.A. was at the time, I guess you could argue I was a front runner because, I mean, when, when the Lakers traded for Steve Nash and Dwight, that, that team was supposed to be a super team. Like, they were favorites to win the title that year. And... That, but with the exception of that, I have stuck with this team through literally their worst years as a team ever. Like, some of my finest moments as a Lakers fan, like a real diehard Lakers fan, have been Jody Meeks going off against the Thunder, just like going absolutely ballistic. Very much remember that game. Nick Young hitting buzzer beaters against San Antonio and OKC. Particularly <laughs> that one he stole from Lou Williams. Where he traveled as well. Right, yeah. Those, that's, those are my Lakers. Like, these terrible teams like with Earl Clark and, I mean, Anton Jameson wasn't on, I guess, a bad Lakers team. But like, easily Earl Clark, um, Jabari Brown, which got he was so bad. Jabari, like, uh, when when talking about these teams, you just talk about, you think about guys that really had no business being on an NBA roster. Like, Jabari Brown, Jordan Farmar got a redemption tour with the Lakers, uh, Kendall Marshall, oh, Wesley man, Johnson. Xavier Henry, I thought he yeah. was going to be, like, and, like, to be honest, he was really good before the injuries, but, like, right. That team that beat the uh, Clippers on opening night, like, that was legitimately a fun team. They were awful, but they were a very fun team. Yeah, and And Wesley Johnson and Zobby Henning combined for, like, 40-something points that night, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it. Like, Xavier Henry, for, like, the 40 games he played, was, like, legit. I was like, yo, this is dope. Like, he, he was still, like... 21 or 22. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he finally figured it out. Like, he's MDA unlocked, or Mike D'Antoni unlocked him, and then, like, he just, he got hurt once more and, like, never recovered. But, yeah, that, yeah, I remember that that night they beat the Clippers was, like, I was like, yo, this team could actually be something. (laughs) And then, like, it was all downhill from there. But, like, that team, those teams were, like, fun in, like, a... Like, there was no pressure way. Like, if they lost, it's like, oh, whatever, just kind of brush it off. But, like, the games they'd win, like, when they scored, like, 
40 points against the Knicks in a quarter and when they scored like the Cleveland game where everybody fouled out and Chris Kamen's just laying on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> like those moments, they're fun and they're ideally those types of moments are what make them actually one day eventually winning meaningful games yeah. all the more enjoyable again. The funny thing about like Zobby Henry is that his his career with the Lakers was pretty short lived because of injuries. And he just never like came back into the league. Which kinda sucks, but I mean, he I had even, a couple of tryouts for a while after, with Milwaukee, right? Yeah, there were a couple teams, but man, he was such a fun player. Him dunking oh I can't remember. It was on another Jeff Kansas. Whitty. Yeah, another Kansas guy I knew that. Him dunking on Jeff Withy was like I, I lost my mind on that one. It's a and top. Like, it's honestly a top twenty dunk in like Lakers history. It's so oh, good. Yeah, yeah, and he was so much fun. Like he'd be such a good player. I mean, he was a good player then, but he'd be such a good player in like today's NBA. It's just one of those guys who injuries just kind of ruined him a little bit. Yeah. And, but yeah, those those teams were. Bad fun, basically. You know what teams were just bad were the Byron Scott teams. There was no, there was yeah. no fun. <laughs> I I hate like in hindsight, I genuinely like super hated those teams. My biggest like regret as a Lakers fan is convincing myself that a team of D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, Kobe Bryant, Julius Randle, and Roy Hibbert were going to make the playoffs. But I told people that. I said that out loud. And again, in my defense, I was a fairly new basketball fan. Didn't really know what I was talking about. I knew Roy Hibbert had won a Defensive Player of the Year award like in the past. And I knew Kobe Bryant was Kobe Bryant. The So my regret kind of stems from that. And that I basically wanted Mike D'Antoni gone. For really, really no reason of his own. Yeah. Like, I was just basically scapegoating him, as were pretty much everybody, which, like, turns out we were all very wrong about that. Definitely. Um, But, yeah, that led to those Byron years where I very quickly realized, like, hmm, maybe Mike D'Antoni wasn't all that bad. His teams (laughs) were bad, but they were scoring, like, 110 points and losing, like, in... High scoring games and whatnot, but Byron Scott's teams were just that. I guess it would have been Jordan Clarkson's rookie year. Yeah. When like Julius Randle went down, and I think Kobe was hurt for chunks of the season, and like the second half of the season was miserable, except that they basically were finally like, here, Jordan Clarkson, go do your thing. Yeah. And like he was fun, but the rest of the. The rest of the team was so bad. And there was, like, the the times when Clarkson would check out, like, it was, like, terrible basketball to watch. Like a bathroom break. Yeah. Yeah, those were when Ryan Kelly was playing the small forward. Oh, God. Which, honestly, that's, that's genuinely not talked about enough. I don't know if Ryan Kelly would have stuck in the NBA because, I mean, I think he plays, last time I checked, he plays for like a second division Chinese basketball team uh, or somewhere in Spain. Regardless, Ryan Kelly looked pretty darn good 
in his rookie year under Mike D'Antoni. Like, Mike D'Antoni made him look like a good, like, rotation basketball player. Um, he shot, like, 33.8 from three on uh, 2.4 attempts per game, which, not great, but... I mean, congrats! You s- You're the first person to look at Ryan Kelly's stat page <laughs> in like 15, 15 years or so. He was like, you saw the makings of a stretch four there, and in that God, which which who were they playing when he hit that? Uh, when he had that buzzer beating dunk, it was a preseason game against the Portland Trail Blazers. Yeah, that was uh, another one of like a bizarre Lakers fan moment that like. If I talk to people that grew up loving the Showtime Lakers or even, like, the three Peter back-to-back Lakers, I I feel like I just get a blank stare. Yeah, I don't... I mean, you're reminding me of these memories. I don't, for the most part, look back too fondly on those memories. (laughs) When when I reminisce, it's usually about the uh, 08-09-2010 Lakers and about how much I miss like guys like Lamar Lamar Odom would be so incredible in today's NBA yeah. like he was like 10 years 5 10 years ahead of his time like so <clears> good <throat> like so good he would be the absolute perfect small ball center in today's NBA I mean really that team would be good like in today's NBA with Lamar and Powell as like the bigs yeah like they were both kind of ahead of their time and but yeah watching watching highlights of those um of those teams are typically how I reminisce and not a Wesley Johnson alley-oop against Portland or stuff like that <laughs> I try to forget those games when I, when I'm going back to Mike D'Antoni really quick whenever People dare slander his name in his time with the Lakers. He willed a team with, and brace yourself for this, Wesley Johnson, Jody Meeks, Jordan Hill, Robert Sockware, Nick Young, a shell of Pau Gasol, Ryan Kelly, Kendall Marshall, Xavier Henry, Jordan Farmar, Chris Kamen, Sean Williams, Steve Blake. Existed. Um, and then six games of Kobe Bryant for what it's worth to 27 wins. 27 wins with that roster. Do you know how many, like, age aside, the only players that are on active NBA rosters from that team are Pau Gasol, and he's going to be a reserve next season, but that's, like, due to age. Uh, Kent Bazemore will be playing with the Portland Trail Blazers next season. Um, and then, is Jody on a team? I don't think so. I know he was with the Wizards but for a minute. You actually, I think, mistakenly forgot to refer to him as NBA champion Jody Meeks. <laughs> oh, that's, he is, that's right. He is an NBA champion. Yeah, he was with the Wizards and then the Raptors. God, that's very true. Congratulations, yeah, Jody. Those are the only three on on active rosters. That's so funny. Yeah. So, Mike D'Antoni might have been frustrating, especially with Pau, man. I remember Mike D'Antoni made me hate Pau Gasol. I just wanted him off the team. Oh, I was was the opposite. I sided with Pau. I wanted Mike Mike D'Antoni off the team. That's like my biggest gripe 
that was my biggest gripe, which in hindsight, again, I admit <laughs> I admit I was wrong about it. But like he was it was like, how dare you challenge Pal? Like, get out of here. And I mean, it, the biggest complaint between them was that he wanted Pal to shoot threes, which turns out he was a, ahead of his time and that made sense, but when he benched Pow and whatnot, I was like, all right, get this guy out of here. This Joker needs to be gone. <laughs> and, like, I never really forgave him after that. Yeah. Well, the hope is that this season will be much better. And I have no doubt it will be. I It's a dangerous game to play. But if you had to guess how how many more wins the Lakers end up with this season than they did last season... And for context, they won 37 games last season. If you had to guess how many more wins they'll get this year than last year's team, what would you guess? Um, they won't get to 50. Uh, I would say high 40s. Maybe you said they had 37 last year. So yeah. maybe 10, 10 more wins, 8 to 10 more wins. Yeah. Well, 48... I believe was a magic number to get into the playoffs last season. Uh, hmm. San Antonio and and the Clippers finished with forty eight. Well, yeah, yeah. I the might, West is going to be so weird this yeah. year. Though. I might, I might give them exactly fifty. Yeah, like, my first thought was like, no way they get to fifty. But as I think about it, like maybe forty eight might be like the low side of my prediction now. Yeah, I think what really their win total all depends on like how they load manage the roster, which is frightening to me because LeBron James is going to be 35 in December, if I'm not mistaken, um, which is not great. I mean, he's still one hell of a basketball player, but I mean, if Kawhi Leonard needed to rest his body to do those things in the playoffs. I can't even imagine what LeBron's feeling at 35. Same with Anthony Davis. Like, the wear and tear he's kind of had on his body with, or just the history he's had with with injuries, there's going to have to be some load managing done in the season. And I just don't think they have the depth to, like, do that. Um, LeBron's basketball reference page is very interesting. The Little Emperor is apparently a nickname of his. Oh, you know what? I think that's like somebody posted uh, English translations of Chinese nicknames for oh, basketball play- players. Okay. Yeah. And I think that was one of them. Yeah, that makes sense. But he's also listed as this is exactly how they write it power forward and small forward and shooting guard. <laughs> shooting guard? Hold on. He, I don't know when the last time he played shooting guard was. He's, but He spent 5% of his playing time at shooting guard during the 2017-18 playoffs. But before that, hold on. Let me take a quick gander here. The 2016-17 regular season was the last time he spent 1% of his minutes. Oh my god. Shooting guard. His his rookie season, he spent seventy four percent of his time at shooting guard. That's he crazy. Was, that team was really odd too, and he was relatively speaking, a lot skinnier. Right. Um 
trying to think. That team, I think, had Carlos Boozer. It did, yeah. And maybe Ricky Davis as uh, the small forward or Darius Miles. Maybe both of them. Yeah. That that was a really odd team. But, yeah, I I don't know why he's listed as a small forward when he basically hasn't played there since his rookie or the shooting guards when he basically hasn't <laughs> played there since his rookie year. Yeah, but. it's very weird. But Anthony Davis and LeBron James and Danny Green and Dwight Howard. <laughs> In, what, 11 days, something like that, we'll finally, they at least hit the training camp floor. Yeah. Oh, God. They posted a they posted a workout video the Lakers did on their official Twitter account. I'm ready. Let's get this let's get this show on the road. I want and to still s- nobody has welcomed Dwight Howard <laughs> to the team. And with that, we'll end today's show. Um D- Jacob, before we go, do you do you want to welcome Dwight Howard to the Lakers? Hell no. <laughs> I the audacity today of Domin Rangula to say that once the season starts, he would give Dwight a chance. <laughs> I think, Let, you know, I was talking to uh, to a few guys about this at the at the NBA 2K party earlier this month, and I don't, I don't know what it would take for him to not get booed, like, all season. Like, he'd have to be pretty damn good, I think. All season, I could see a scenario. He's going to be booed for, like, opening night's going to be pretty bad. Yeah. And then for, like, the first month or so is almost guaranteed. I I mean, if he plays really well, there's fans that aren't as petty as I am. Right. That will come around. But uh, the... Yeah, I... It would take a lot for me to come around. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How do you even respond to that? Like, because you know he's gonna get asked about it post game. Like, what was it like coming back to Staples Center, Staples Center, and getting booed literally every time he touched the ball? So far, he's played it like, yeah, I gotta earn the trust back of these Lakers fans. Like, thank you so much for giving me a second chance. Let's roll, Lakers Nation. Today he posted, unprompted. A picture of his Kobe shoe collection, which I think is like a cry for help. It's just like Lakers fans, please like me. I'm one of you, and it's I don't so know. bizarre for how how much him and Kobe didn't get along. For him to have a collection of shoes from Kobe, that's a, he's such a bizarre guy. He is, and um, but he plays for the Lakers, so you know, whatever. Um, I. I'm Christian Rivas, and he is Jacob Rude. This has been another episode, which I don't know why they keep letting us do these, but I enjoy <laughs> doing it. <laughs> they they may not after this one. This was a pretty out there one. <laughs> we spent the first 15 minutes just talking about TV, which, like, whatever. Who? What else are we going to talk about? I think it was genuinely more enticing than talking again about the options the Lakers had with their designated player exception. So, whatever. Um, If you liked this episode, if you'd like to hear us talk about TV even more next week, we can go a full half hour, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, Then leave us a comment on iTunes, and while you're at it, leave a review too. 
Um, we'll be back next week, which, or actually, you know what? I don't know if I'll be back next week because next week is my birthday. Uh, so if we, oh, I won't. I won't let you come back. I'll find somebody else. <laughs> if we do record, um, I'll see you. But I mean, probably not. I intend on going to Star Wars Land because uh, I have not yet been, and I'm a very big Star Wars fan. I might actually cry when I see the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> um, so uh, you're stuck with Jacob next week, I guess. Stuck. Okay. <laughs> leave, leave comments in the or leave a review letting us know what movie we have to the two of us have to watch as well. This is a movie podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll see you all next week.